Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. This is episode 73 of the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Brett Talley. Brett works over at Orange, and we're going to get to talk to him about what Orange is all about and and how they can help you as a student ministry leader, but also what it's like to be in his role. He is what's called an Orange Specialist, and so he gets into what that means, what he gets to do, and and how he works with youth pastors and youth workers uh, across the country and sometimes around the world and what he uh, does, and all the insights and, and everything that he has gained from working with a bunch of different churches uh, he shares today. So I'm really excited for you guys to uh, to hear what Brett has to say. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've not done so yet, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. So every time we post another episode, you get it straight into your podcast uh, app or, or service of choice. And if that podcast service allows you to leave a rating or a review, we ask you to please do that. Um, That just helps us in in a really, really great way um, and uh, allows other people to find the podcast. Speaking of which, if you have not shared this podcast with another youth worker who you think would enjoy this kind of of content, uh, please do that. That, that's another way that you can help out the podcast, and I uh, would be very, very grateful if you did that. Beyond that, we are also on social media, so make sure you do follow us on social media. All those links are going to be in the show notes for the podcast, and we would uh, just love to have you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we'd love to have your follow, and uh, that's another way where you can stay up to date on what's going on in the, the world of the Student Ministry Podcast. And as this podcast is actually being released, I am on my way out to California for DYM 100. Uh, it's about 100 other youth workers and myself that we're going to get to get together with uh, the, the people from Download Youth Ministry and just spend a couple days uh, relaxing, having some fun, and just learning. It's going to be a great experience. I'm super pumped about it. Uh, many of you that are listeners uh, will also be there, so I'm excited to see a lot of you in person and um you know, we'll see uh, what comes out of that. I'll, I'll be sharing in future episodes some of the things that I learned. Uh, we're going to have some great speakers, as it usually happens at DYM 100, and uh, also a lot of fun and uh, just a great time to relax and uh, kick back with a bunch of other youth workers. So yeah, if you're going to be there, uh, be sure to say hi. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. That'd be uh, great to just, you know, be able to, to meet people that uh, to listen uh, every month and uh, just another great opportunity um, to connect. Uh, So before we jump into this conversation with Brett today, uh, we're going to thank our sponsors of this episode because they are amazing and they are part of the reason why this podcast is able to happen. Our first sponsor is G-Shades. It's a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone. With three plans to choose from, this curriculum gives you the resources you need to do what you want to do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $16 a month. Looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's $25 a month. Do you want affordable youth ministry video curriculum that will help you increase your online reach during the pandemic? G-Shades has you covered for only $36 a month. You will not find a youth ministry video curriculum at that price point 
anywhere else. G-Shades does an excellent job of not just teaching students the typical things that we teach them in youth group, but allowing them to see every life situation that they go through through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades creator Mike Haynes has actually been on the podcast for episodes 32 and 55. So if you'd like to learn more about Mike, you can check out both of those episodes. So head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, to download season three of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum, and be sure to use the promo code T-S-M-P-O-D, that's for the Student Ministry Podcast, so T-S-M-P-O-D at checkout to receive an extra 10% off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Our other sponsor is MenHub Youth, which was actually developed by a fellow youth pastor. MenHub Youth helps you store and track your student, staff, and parent info, as well as attendance for your events. MenHub has a lot of features, but today I want to talk to you about kiosk mode. When you take attendance for events, you can long press on any student to quickly update their info if they get a new phone or switch schools. But sometimes you just want teens to check themselves in easily. So you enable kiosk mode so that the rest of the app is inaccessible. The students can quickly check themselves in, and you can also add new students to the database very easily. On its own, the app is only $5 on iOS or Android, and you can use it forever on that one device without ever paying any more. But if you want to sync your database across multiple devices or with your leaders, you can sign up for MinHub Sync Service and support the Student Ministry Podcast by visiting minhubsync.com slash SMP for Student Ministry Podcast. That's M-I-N-H-U-B-S-Y-N-C dot C-O-M slash S-M-P. You can find the links to both G-Shades and MinHub in our podcast show notes. Thank you so much to G-Shades and MinHub for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. All right, now it's time to get into this conversation with Brett Talley. Hey, Brett, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hey, Steve, how are you, bud? Doing well, doing well. It's uh, It's been great to to finally get you on. I know we, we've talked about the podcast before and, we have. and uh, you've promoted it before. So thank you for doing that. And I was like, hey, we actually need to get you on as a guest this time. <laughs> it's official. It's I official. I can cross it off my bucket list. <laughs> So, uh, so Brett, I, we've known each other for a few years now. Um, I have the, the privilege of having you as my orange specialist, uh, yeah, yeah, you do. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and there's, so because of what you do, uh, a lot of people in the, in the youth ministry world do, do know you. Um, but, uh, but I'd love for you to start off today, just kind of given a, a sense of who you are a little bit more, but also dig into your story a little bit. And, uh, how did, how did God get you to the point where, where you are today in, in your ministry? Yeah, well, my name is Brett Talley. I'm a pastor's kid. I always start with that for some reason. I don't know. Like, it just seems like one of those just things. Set the tone like, ahead of time. When, just when just people, know I'm a PK. When people know you're a pastor's kid, they kind of like, oh, okay. Okay, now now I can start to, you yeah. know, get a real read on you. So the, those preconceived ideas, are they, are they true? Well, that's what, that is kind of one of the wild things is that like my, my pastor's kid experience was, was very different in that my dad pastored the same church on the the west side of Indianapolis for 27 years. Um, 
And ironically, it was the church. My dad's from the South originally, but it was the church that um, my mom's family, like my, my great grandma on my mom's side helped start that church. So I, the church I grew up at, which is very unusual that you had a single church that I went through from, you know, birth all the way through high school, the exact same church my dad was on staff at, was filled with cousins and aunts and uncles and all sorts of things from my mom's side of the family. So I had a very unusual PK um, experience where it was about as healthy as I could have imagined it to be, you know, having, you know, being in the business now and having conversations with my mom and, and my dad. Um, you know, it was really clear how intentional they were to, to shield me from certain things. And, you know, there'll be times where, you know, I'll, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this person in forever. Like, dad, you know, what's going on in their world? They're like, oh no, they hated me. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, I only had good, I only had good thoughts about them growing up uh, because yeah, I just feel like our family did a really good job of, you know, helping church be, be a safe community for me. And not just kind of my 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 dad's place, but um, I grew I grew up in church. I've got a I've got an older brother, Steve, and and then you know we are um, we are kind of that that yin and yang of the PK experience, where we both you know grew up the same. We're we're wired a little bit different. The older we get, the more similarly we seem to be wired. But when we were younger, we were pretty different. Um, and yeah, he's, he's at a different place than, than I am, at least with faith. I mean, he's an amazing guy. He's a great dad. Um, but just in a different place, it's, it's kind of one of those nature versus nurture conversations. Mm. Um, and one that I have a lot with, with parents where it's like, there is, you know, there is only so much we can do and our kids are going to make their own decisions and mm. two, two, two people. And I'm sure that, you know, everybody out there who has kids or brothers or sisters or family have experienced this in some way, two people can grow up in very similar environments and still end up in very different places and, and be very different people. So yeah, I grew up in Indianapolis, uh, pastor's kid, um, total youth group kid and loved going to church, um, felt a call to ministry at about uh, 15 years old and didn't really know what that meant. And ironically, I have a lot of conversations now, obviously I've been in the student ministry world uh, for a long time. And there's this really interesting thing that I think happens around that age for a lot of high schoolers is that that is really for, a, for many students, the first time that they seem to really understand what it means to want to follow Jesus, to like, to, to really want to be a disciple, to, that they love God, they want to follow Jesus. And so I think that there are assumptions that get made when you're 15, 16, 17 years old that, well, if I'm really going to love and live my life for Jesus, I guess I'm supposed to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and ironically, I usually spend most of my time trying to talk people out of going into the ministry um, <laughs> because it's not a it's not an easy it's not an easy place to be. And the reality is most of them aren't feeling called to ministry. They're just feeling called to be a disciple and they don't yet fully grasp that it doesn't matter what you do vocationally, that God's calling you all over the place. Just use the gifts that you have sort of a thing. But um, started to feel that call. And my, my student pastor was this guy named Craig Nisley. Um, who's been one of the most influential people in my life, continues to be a very close friend uh, to this day. Um, and he was pretty young. I mean, he was 21, 22 
uh, when I was a freshman. So he's still in his early 20s at this point. Um, but just doing a really good job, I felt like, of kind of walking me through what, a, what does call mean? What does it mean to go into ministry? And, um, you know, through those conversations, went to a, um, a Church of God. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Church of God kid out of Anderson, Indiana. So we don't have to deep dive in it. There's a different, <laughs> there's different Church of Gods out there. So we're there almost is. like a you know, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Mennonite, Anabaptist cousin, sort of a, sort of a movement. We're not a denomination, Steve. We're a movement. I, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Actually, I, I think we talked about this at some point in the past, but I, I grew up in the, uh, Anderson mm -hmm. church of God as well. And so, yeah, it was, uh, that was something I, I learned later on down the road as well. It was like, oh, okay. There's, there's very pretty strong lines there that make sure that we, we are not classified as this, but <laughs> that's true. We're, we're very proud of our movement heritage. Uh, right. And there are things that I love. I, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm an ordained church of God pastor. I love the church of God, but went to a church of God school and uh, decided I wanted to jump straight into ministry. Um, so at 21 years, so I graduated high school early. I'm one of those, like part of my weird story is I hated high school so much. I didn't enjoy middle school and I hated high school. I don't know what it was. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, people would say like, I wouldn't go to back to high school for a million dollars. And I still don't think I would, but in some ways, like I would love to go back and make some really different decisions, not choice. Like I didn't make a lot of bad decisions, like morally bad decisions. I just got to a place in my faith where I got so apathetic about everyone around me making choices that I just didn't understand and didn't make sense to me. And I, I had this swing where in middle school, I cared so much about what people thought about me. And then in high school, I swung too far and I, I just stopped caring about people in general. So rather my value and worth coming from, not coming from them, but coming from God, I, like I just stopped caring about people. I got really apathetic. I feel like I just wasn't a, um, I was not a very good example of what it meant to be a, a follower of Jesus in high school, but for whatever reason has, have just continued to always be drawn to that phase and age of, of, of life. And so, uh, jumped into student ministry full-time at, at 21. I graduated high school, graduated college early. I got married at 20. I'm one of those weird, you know, Christian college kids that got married at a really young age. And it's funny because now, like, you know, I'll have former students that are in their late 20s that will be like, hey, Brett, you know, I just got engaged. And I'm like, "Ooh, at 28, are you sure? that?" <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, like I got engaged at 19 and, and married at 20. Um, but yeah, getting married young is it, it's wild, but it's worked out for us. We've been married 17 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we both jumped into to, full-time ministry in the Lexington, Kentucky area at a church there for four years, uh, felt, you know, felt compelled. And I use that word specifically for me, I, I, I never necessarily felt called to ministry changes in life. I just kind of felt compelled to them. Hmm. Um, I, I always, I've always kind of had this sense that, you know, when, when we took the, the, the role at the church in Kentucky and then back in Indianapolis for seven years. And then this role that I have with orange, I never necessarily felt like that was God saying, Hey, here's, here's, here's what I want you to do next. I've always felt in ministry that there has just been this open-handed sense of I have opportunities come and I have opportunities go. And, um, and God is kind of, you know, trusting me to evaluate and have conversations with people around me and obviously my wife and, and my family and, and try to discern, is this something that would be 
um, a, a good thing for us? Do I feel like this fits, you know, my passions and my gifts and, and everything along those lines? And, you know, is it something that I feel like I can continue to have a, a broader, greater influence in the kingdom? Um, and so those have kind of been the determining factors. When we went to Kentucky, that's kind of what it was about. When we moved back to the north side of Indianapolis, um, that's kind of what it was about. And we spent seven years there. And um, it was there that I really started to learn about Orange. And I read Think Orange. And I started reading Lead Small and going to Orange Tour and Orange Conference and XP3 and really just loved the, um, the ideology and the, and the philosophy and the strategy that Orange was, was trying to do. Um, and eventually jumped on board and started working full full time with them. And, you know, my experience with a lot of the orange stuff is like, I'm just I'm just reading so much of it saying, yes, like this is what I'm trying to do. Like for so much of it, it wasn't necessarily brand new ideas to me, but mm -hmm. I had never been able to I'd never been able to clarify them in mm -hmm. that way. I've, I'd never been able to structure them. And I remember in my so this is kind of a funny story. So in my kind of interview process, um, there was orange tour was in Indianapolis near where I was. And so mm -hmm. I was going down and kind of hanging around and, and meeting some people. Um, and then got invited to dinner afterwards after orange tour. Um, and so I'm sitting at a table with, uh, me and my wife with Reggie, Carrie Newhoff, Kristen, Ivy, Ivy, and then, um, Debbie, uh, joiner, Reggie's wife, um, who's, who's my, who's my direct report, my boss. She's awesome. Um, and I'm sitting there feeling completely overwhelmed and, you know, unequipped as a leader is, is, is how I feel. But, but I say something along those lines and, and, and Reggie was like, like, we hear that a lot that, that there, that what, what we do isn't necessarily like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that for a lot of people, but the way that the intentionality that orange takes to communicate it in a certain way. Mm. And, you know, Reggie, what I always say that Reggie is so good at is he's so good at stepping on people's toes. Um, yeah. because he uses a lot of like, now imagine if we, you know, can, can you think about what would happen if we, and then you don't realize that he's really challenging so much of the way that you've kind of understood things, but, um, yeah, jumped into that whole world, was using XP3 for years. And uh, Jeremy Zock uh, was my orange specialist. And, you know, I was pretty connected with him and had a good relationship. And we got to know each other a little bit. And yeah, just through some different conversations, had some friends. My friend Leslie was on staff there and uh, they were looking for an XP3 orange student orange specialist and started having some conversations with them. And I never thought I would do anything but local church ministry for the rest of my life. Mm. I wasn't sure I would ever be a senior pastor anywhere. There are aspects of that that just uh, still to this day seem like, why would you even want to, exactly. to do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just one of those pieces where, again, you know, the more we had conversations, the more I learned about the role, the more I feel like it really fit with where a lot of my passions and a lot of my gifts were. And it was sort of like, you know, talking to my wife, do we want to move from Indianapolis around a bunch of family, you know, down to the north side of Atlanta and have a little adventure? And our kids were two, four and six. And we were like, well, if we're going to move far away from home, like we'd rather do it when they're this age than when they're 12, 14, 16. So um, yeah, we moved down here in 2016, this role of Orange Student Specialist, which if you're not familiar, um, Orange has a middle school and high school curriculum called XP3. And for anybody who has an XP3 middle school or high school license, part of that is you get a free kind of ministry coach along with that partnership. And so that's what I get to do. And then I get to work with Candace and Charlie or the other student OSs. we got a bunch of kids OSs too that are awesome. And yeah, we essentially get to spend our time really on calls like even like this with mm -hmm. you, Steve, and just kind of 
talking, talking about people's story and talking about people's ministries and what's working and what's not and troubleshooting and, and kind of dreaming together. And sometimes we talk orange and we talk XP three and we talk about parent Q and we talk about you version devos and, you know, communicator guides. And sometimes we talk about implementation with some of those things, but a lot of times we spend time talking about ministry systems and how do we care for leaders and how do we recruit and just all of all of those pieces. So um, I'm fortunate enough to have what I call ministry hive mind right now, where I just get to talk to, you know, leaders like you that are literally all over the world uh, and just kind of learn and dream and, and brainstorm together. So that's, that's a, that's a little bit of my story. Mm-hmm. Part of my story, this cool. is something that's just going to make people jealous. So when we moved down here, my full-time job obviously is, is with Orange. And so for the first time ever, I'm not going to a church that my dad pastors at or that I pastor at. So when we moved down here for the first time in my life, we were looking for a church home, like just for us to be a part of. Um, and I volunteer in our middle school ministry. My wife and I volunteer in our middle school ministry, and I get to wake up with my family on a Sunday morning <laughs> and have all the arguments about what they're going to wear, you know, with my wife, not just her by herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been an interesting transition going from full-time pastoral ministry to kind of this, you know, parallel kind of ministry and being able to stay involved as a volunteer has been wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to detour us just a, just a little mm-hmm. bit um, before we jump back into that. Um, because there, there might be some people um, listening to the podcast that maybe don't know about orange yet. And so I'd yeah. love for you to get just a, a little bit. Um, maybe they've, I've, I've had crystal uh, Chang on the podcast before. I've also had Jeremy, who you mentioned uh, on yeah. the podcast before. So if, if people have listened to other podcasts, maybe they've got an explanation, but, but those were a little while ago. So Give us a, a brief rundown of, of what Orange is all about um, for the, yeah. the people, the, the few people out there that don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, at the at the at the broadest level, Orange is really about the the name Orange. So you know, we say that red is the heart of the world, which is the family. The yellow is the light of the world, which is the church. And when those two combined influences are together, it makes a greater impact. And so really at the heart of what we do is all about family ministry. And it's about how can we, number one, help the church better partner with parents. And then number two, help better equip parents to be the lead spiritual guide in their families. We say that roughly a church has about 40 hours a year with a student and that's pre-COVID. So that's probably even less now. And a parent has 3000 hours of potential influence a year. That's pre-COVID. That's probably more now. Um, So how foolish are we as the church to think that we can give kids and students everything that they need spiritually for a healthy, resilient faith in the 30 to 40 hours a year at best that we get from them. And so, yes, what matters, uh, what happens at church matters, but what happens at home matters more. So, um, you know, we do Orange Conference, Orange Tour, we do, you know, events, we do, we write books, you know, we have obviously the curriculum, preschool curriculum, elementary, preteen, middle school, and high school curriculum. Uh, So we do all these things to try to create these resources. Orange Leaders does all sorts of, you know, training content for parents and for leaders. We do all these different things to try to create these resources, essentially, so that leaders like you, Steve, and leaders that are listening that are week in and week out trying to lead these ministries, we're trying to free you all up to do what only you can do. Because we can we can do all the stuff on the back end to help create resources, to help create series and graphics and bumpers and scripts and different things like that. So that my analogy is we can get you to the 30 yard line. 
you know, you still, you still got to make it a touchdown for Lightbridge. You still got to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we contextualize? How do we adjust this? Actually, I want to go a little bit deeper here with this, or this would be better for our parents. We're, you know, you, you're still going to need to do that, but hopefully we freed up a lot of your time and energy to be able to pour into leaders, pour into parents, pour into students, think about your ministry systems, think about your vision and your mission and all of those different pieces. Um, yeah. So that's my, that would be kind of my spiel about, about what we try to, what we try to do at Orange. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's something that, uh, that I've loved about it as well. I kind of got tossed into it, uh, in the beginning. Um, we, we used a different curriculum. It got merged with XP3 and then all of a sudden I was doing this and, but the more that I looked into it, I was like, Oh, okay. And I think it was very similar to you is like, it wasn't earth shattering, like brand new information, but just a way of articulating it that I was never able to wrap my head around fully. And uh, I feel like that's, that's why I've seen kind of eye to eye with orange for so yeah. long, because it's really the stuff that they got already placed in me, but I was just having a hard time, you know, putting it on paper or saying it myself. And all of a sudden I come across how Reggie puts it in a book or on stage or how a certain curriculum is written or whatever. And I go, yes, that yeah. that's what I've been thinking. I just couldn't put it on paper myself. Um, so that's, that's been a really cool. So I know a lot of people are, are probably wondering, okay, what, what's life like as an orange specialist? So you're in ministry, but like this parachurch, you get to work with a bunch of different youth pastors, uh, around the country, sometimes around the world. Like what is, what is that like, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? What is, what does your ministry look like? I guess, cause you, you kind of run down all the different things that you do, but I guess if I could like be it be like a middle schooler in my ministry and go hey what do you do during the what week do you, as a youth, what do you youth do? pastor yeah what do you what do, you, do? <laughs> you do you just work on wednesdays right or on yeah, sundays what right. do you do during That's, the week yeah what do you have a life outside that oh man uh, so yeah what what does it look like to be an orange specialist a coach let's what's that what's that how does it all work i guess yeah so you know i would say there's a, a few different buckets that you know that, that we tend to work at which everybody in ministry understands what that's like you always have you're, you're always wearing multiple hats at any given at any given time um and so my specific orange specialist role is um it's really you know it's 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 reaching out to leaders one of to be on one of the challenges is not everybody knows what an orange specialist is it's like it's just people don't uh, like to be honest, people think we're salesmen or <laughs> that we're just kind of their curriculum rep and they only reach out if it's like, hey, this file's not working, which is fine. And I'll be and honest, I'm, that was me for a long time. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, these guys can do more than that. OK, cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I mean, hey, file doesn't work. I'm happy to help about that. But um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, like I've said, you know, it's our it's it, it's our role and it's our hope to be able to connect relationally. Uh, with leaders. Um, leading in student ministry can be really lonely when you are oftentimes the only staff person in your church who is passionate about middle school and high school students, and you're constantly trying to make things as good as possible for middle school and high school students, when if we're honest, a lot of other church leadership is less interested about making things best as possible for middle school and high schoolers. And they're thinking more about how to make things best as possible for adults. And then high school, middle school, you guys figure out what, what to do within this structure that we've already created. It can just be frustrating. It can be challenging. Um, and so, you know, part of what we want to do is just relationally connect. I mean, I'm not joking that there are some, some conversations I have with people where the main focus is just like allowing them a safe place to vent. And for me to be like, yeah, that sucks. 
Like, it's not like, that's not fair. Like sometimes we'll get into like, okay, do, like, do we want to troubleshoot? Do we want to talk through what, you know, some potential things, but sometimes like it's, it, it's just good to talk to somebody who knows what it's like to be, to be in ministry and not to be able to do some of the things that you really like to do. But um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, we'll have somebody reach out and, and they're saying, we're having a real hard time with recruiting. Can we, you know, can we brainstorm with you? Sometimes, you know, I get brought into kind of some student ministry staff meetings and they're just kind of thinking about, Hey, um, we got, we've got our weekend retreat coming up and here are some things we're thinking are you seeing are you seeing any gaps are you seeing any holes or uh, we do these things called roundtables which I absolutely love where we just started them in the last year or so in the midst of the pandemic um, where uh, we've had some about you know obviously volunteers uh, small group strategy creating healthy boundaries becoming a better communicator but they're basically just kind of these roundtable conversations that I try to facilitate with other leaders that are trying to think about the same things um, and it's literally, it's like, it's not a breakout. It's not me delivering content. It's us sitting around a virtual table because obviously it's on Zoom. Um, and we're just asking ourselves, what are we learning about this? What have you tried? What has worked? What hasn't worked uh, that we can kind of learn from each other? So those, you know, that's a big part. Obviously, you know, one of those buckets too is, is working with the Orange students team and, you know, having some conversations and helping however I can when it comes to navigating what kind of resources we're doing or, you know, helping out however in XP3 that we can. And then we also have an awesome team of orange specialists that we get to, you know, kind of develop and hone our skills together with. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes every day looks, uh, every day looks different. Um, but, you know, to me, the hallmark of, of what I get to do is kind of walk alongside of, of student pastors and, and being able to, to, to hopefully push them outside of, I mean, I, the, like the tyranny of the urgent was always something I struggled with in student ministry is, you know, Wednesday's coming, Sunday's coming. I've got this, I've got to do, I've got that, I've got to do. There's this fire. I got dragged into this all church thing that I'm not really excited about, but it's going to take four hours of my time this week. And I'm sitting in this meeting and that meeting. And so one of my favorite things to do is just have conversations with leaders and, you know, and, and, and trying to, to give them some space to think bigger and to think broader and to dream and to brainstorm, to troubleshoot all those, all those mm -hmm. kind of fun things. So from your work with all these youth workers from all over, what are some of the trends that you're seeing and, and what's working, what's not working, uh, especially in light of, of the pandemic and everything lately, um, you know, the last couple of years, what, what are you seeing um, in terms of trends and uh, yeah, what is working, what's not working? So my answer in fall of 2021 mm -hmm. is what are, what are we seeing? We're, we're seeing that everyone is struggling and wondering if we're seeing anything that's working in other churches because they feel like nothing is working. Mm. Like that is a, that is a pretty, and I don't say that to be discouraging to, to everybody, but, but encouraging in the sense of nobody has ministry figured out mm. in, you know, the fall of 2021. Um, if we're honest, I, you know, some of us thought we had some ministry stuff figured out maybe in the summer, in the fall of, of 2019. Um, and there are some things that were far easier and were far more effective uh, in the fall of 2019 that just aren't right now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think across the board on a regular basis, we're hearing from ministries, we're hearing from churches that are saying, hey, what are you seeing that's working in other churches? Because we are struggling like everything is like pulling teeth. It's like mm. walking through quicksand. And 
you know, the, the reality is that the churches that are, the churches that are probably finding the most success right now are the ones that have the, the best relational structures in place. Hmm. Um, and that was probably true of them before the pandemic hit. So, so one of the things that, and this isn't, you know, some crazy observation, this is probably obvious for, for a lot of people, but, you know, before, before the pandemic hit so often in student ministry, when it came to volunteers, we often recruited volunteers to help us pull off programs. And so volunteers felt like that their role was tied to a program. Um, even if we structured their role to be like, hey, will you come hang out with the eighth grade boys on Wednesday nights during Ignite or, you know, during whatever, you know, the name of your program might be for middle school or high schoolers. Um, then the pandemic hit, there's no longer a program. And those volunteers who felt like that they were helping pull off a program no longer felt like that they had a necessary role. And those churches whose ministry structures were not built around programs, but were built around people. And they were built around the idea of relational discipleship, where if I am the small group leader of these eighth grade boys, it's not that I show up on Wednesday nights so that these eighth grade boys have a place to go for 20 minutes after the message, but that you have called and equipped me to be the shepherd and the pastor of this group of sixth grade boys over these three years of middle school and the program, the environment. Sometimes I like to use the word environment. They're, they're basically, it's semantics to me, but in some ways environment perpetuates a better understanding of that. It's not about the environment is just one place mm. where your shepherding can happen but your shepherding happens throughout these three years in a hundred different ways. And so the ministries who were structured around that, you know, what the language, the orange language would be lead small, um, you know, life groups, small groups, really we're talking about relational discipleship as kind of the churchy word, the pastoral word that I would use, but churches that were structured around that idea of relational discipleship, that, that the leaders in their ministries understood that it's not just about what happens on a Sunday or what happens on a Wednesday, but I feel relationally and spiritually responsible for this group of students. Um, those were the ones, I can't say that those were the ones that didn't experience, you know, any attendance drops. Those were the ones that, you know, suffered no momentum loss. That's not true. All of us, all of us have struggled through those pieces. Um, but as far as, as far as health and as far as, you know, effectiveness and being able to continue to move forward with kind of, you know, vision, mission, strategy, those are, are the ones that we feel like have held up mm. a little bit, a little bit better, where there was already that culture in place, where there was already that kind of, that kind of a system in place. And, and to be honest, it was a barometer for a lot of ministries to say, oh my gosh, like my sixth grade groups, my seventh grade groups, and my ninth grade groups were awesome. Like they really bought into this. My eighth grade groups, the, the leaders were not where, where I needed them to be mm. when this happened. So it's not even necessarily a, your ministry either was this or it wasn't this. Even within ministries, we can probably pinpoint, you know, leaders that maybe weren't where we hoped they were, or weren't where we thought they were, or even, you know, specific groups that were connected in ways that we hoped for, but other groups that just hadn't, hadn't got there. Mm. That's really good. 
Yeah. Cause I think, I think we kind of fell in that place where we're, we were very relational already, very small groups driven, but it did allow us to shed some light on some different areas that we need to work on. Um, and that since, since then we've added additional training and different things yeah. like that to make sure that we're getting our, our leaders up to that, that standard, um, because it's, it's very important. Um, but that's, that's cool to hear that that's what you're seeing. Um, cause yeah. it's what, what our environment was, but that's the kind of the benefit that you get is like talking with all these different church leaders and, and seeing that. Uh, so as, as we wrap up today, um, there's, I'm sure tons of, I know not, I'm I know there's tons of wisdom. You've already shared a ton of it already, but uh, maybe one or two other tips that uh, that you would share with our podcast listeners out there from your years in ministry yourself in the local church, but then also now being able to, to work with all these different youth leaders from all these different churches, all these different uh, communities and cultures and stuff. Uh, what are what are a couple of tips that you would share with our listeners today? Um. So the first one, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into some phase, some phase strategy here. So um, another thing that we do at Orange is a thing called the phase project. You can go to justaphase.com. You can learn more about that. If you're a ministry leader, if you are working with kids or middle schoolers or high schoolers, and you have not read, I don't know if any of this is going to be video, but I'll hold it up. But if you have not read this book, it's just a phase, don't miss it. Um, I can't encourage you enough to jump in and, and read that. There's so much, you know, this came out before I was working for Orange and it was a, it was a game changer in a lot of ways. Um, but one of, the, one of the pieces with that in mind that I would want to kind of encourage all ministry leaders is that your final filter should be, what is the most helpful thing for me to talk about for the faith development of the students that I'm talking to? Um, you know, one of my kind of one of my taglines that I say a lot is that what what gets taught to kids and students all around the world on a weekly basis usually has more to do with how the adult feels when they leave than what is best for the for the development of a healthy, resilient faith for the kids and the students they're talking about. Mm. And sometimes I think we can misuse some scripture and we can walk out thinking, hey, I brought the word. I planted the seeds. It's up for the Holy Spirit to, you know, to, you know, to make it grow. But, you know, the reality is, is that we do have a pretty big role when it comes to what kind of, what kind of, you know, culture or soil, or how easy is it for the the Holy Spirit to be able to cultivate some of that movement? Hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I like even, even I, you know, kind of struggle in my own mind with, with, with some of those pieces, but I just think that there's a reality there. Sometimes what we talk about to kids and teenagers um, has more to do with what we feel like we're supposed to talk about than necessarily mm. what is the best thing. So for me, the ultimate filter, that final filter, isn't even what's true. And I'm, I'm trying not to be blasphemous or anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you know, what is true, what is wise, like, you know, those are those are pieces that should be some of our final filters. That's a that is a filter. But then we should go through the filter of. But if I'm talking to high school students, what is the most beneficial thing for me to talk about? What is the most helpful way for me to talk about this for them to develop a healthy and a resilient faith. Mm. Um, and I kind of go back and forth with this idea between biblical literacy and faith formation is sometimes in the church, we get so stuck with this idea of biblical literacy, but I'm telling you, 
I have known so many people in my life who are more biblically literate than I am that never understood or learned how to turn it into a healthy, resilient faith. Mm. Um, and so that's just kind of one of those drums that I'm constantly beating of that final thing before you give that message, you know, before you talk to those students going through the filter, do you know what's happening in the brain, in the mind, socially, developmentally, in the ages of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, of ninth and 10th graders, 11th and 12th graders, so that you can communicate this in a way that is most beneficial for what, not you, I'm, I'm 37 years old. I, I, I have, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, like a, a, a Jewish New Testament study Bible, you know, that I read on a regular basis. You know, I'm trying not to <laughs> Jesus juke anybody here, but um, like, I'm interested in things. My mind works in ways that when I go talk to a middle school camp, that's just not where they are. And that's not what they're thinking. And so I have to be sure that after I develop what I'm going to talk about, that I'm thinking through that lens of, but what is most beneficial, what is most helpful for where they are, for them to understand what it means to take that next step in their faith. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. I've noticed that too. That I've talked with some other youth pastors too, and them asking, you know, when they're first starting out in ministry, what, what do I do during the week <laughs> as well? And, and I, and I tell them, I was like, I'd spend, you know, sometimes almost equal time studying the Bible, but also studying teenage culture. And yeah. studying, you know, where they are, what's popular, what what words are they using, what language are they using, that kind of thing, because it's so important. Like we need to be able to bridge that gap between the Bible and now bring it to 2021 and yeah. how we actually connect that. Um, because that's that's I feel like that's part of our jobs <laughs> as a yeah, absolutely as, as youth pastors is like we've got to be able to to bridge that gap because if not, it's gonna be so hard for teenagers to naturally do that on their own. Yeah, that's huge. Well, Brett, I'm sure that people are going to uh, want to connect with you. Uh, and so what is the, what's the best places for people to connect with you? Uh, what's, uh, where did they go online to, to be able to pick your brain and, and ask you more questions or follow up on anything that you've talked about today? Nowhere. I'm a ghost, Steve. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, everything is pretty much Brett Ryan Talley. Middle name is Ryan. And so brettryantalley.com at Brett Ryan Talley on Twitter, at Brett Ryan, Brett Ryan Talley on, um, on Instagram. Uh, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, two T's. Brett at thinkorange.com is my email address. So um, whether you use Orange or don't use Orange, if you want to connect with me over email and follow up with some questions or, hey, what did you mean by this or something along those lines, don't, don't hesitate to shoot me a message there either. Cool. Cool. And I, uh, it'd be weird of me to avoid this altogether. So I know there's, there's other orange people out there that, uh, that want me to ask this. When's the podcast coming back? Oh my gosh, Steve. <laughs> oh, we could talk for so long about this. Yeah. So we, we had this dream that finally came to fruition years ago, the rethinking youth ministry podcast, where a bunch of us on the orange students team got to, to be honest, just finally got to start recording some of the conversations that we had been having. Um, and we loved doing it and, you know, it, it seemed like it was, you know, it was, it was hitting a need with, with a lot of people. We, you and I have talked about this. There, there's a lot of great student ministry podcasts in that space. So we're not going to pretend like we were the, we were the, the best ones or that, you know, there's a, there's a gap just because we 
going on out there right now. But yeah, when when COVID hit and life changed for everybody, that was one of those things that shifted for us. And we've had to put a pause on that. And um, as somebody who got to be regularly involved in that podcast, there are few things I want more than to sit around a circle with some of those people again and start diving back into some of those conversations and questions. Uh, and I wish I had a date for you. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked Steve next week. Right. Um, <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't exist right, right now. And yeah. we don't really have a, a specific time. Everybody wants it to come back. It's just one of those things, yep. you know, budget allocation, time allocation, all of those things that we all know about with the church, especially, you know, mm -hmm. in the midst of everything that's happened over the past couple of years. So the closest, here's, here's my little plug. The closest you can get to a Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast is scheduling time with me, Candice, or Charlie and having a conversation with your orange specialist about those kind of things that we would yeah. have episode it's your personalized podcast there we go yeah. your individualized <laughs> podcast and, and really you still the round have tables yeah and the round tables that we do are a lot like that i mean it's you know it's sometimes four or five sometimes you know 10 11 but people just kind of going around and, and sharing and kind of working through some stuff together yeah absolutely and you still have a, the whole catalog of of already recorded podcasts that they can go back yeah, and 100 to as well. and i don't know how many i know i know we hit 100 somewhere along the lines because i was on i was on that episode but yeah we've mm -hmm. got a bunch a bunch orangestudents.com if you aren't sure about the rethinking youth ministry podcast and want to go back and cherry pick some episodes there's a bunch there yeah that's cool and I, I love the fact that a lot of people have asked me before about the orange conference orange stuff and everything they're like do we have to buy into the curriculum and that's that's a big thing you don't have to they have right. tons of resources you guys have all these different things from the podcast to books to conferences to everything in between or just you know being able to have you guys um you know phone call or zoom or whatever away um you have so much more than just the curriculum and yeah i yeah i, I always that. say that, yeah there's you know there's a lot of people out there who use orange um but there's a lot of people out there who think orange but don't necessarily use the use the content itself and the philosophies and the strategies and all of those pieces still you know overlap and completely shape and color everything that they do in ministry but they're just not necessarily using curriculum and I, and I always tell people like god didn't call me to lead your ministry god called you to 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 lead your ministry or you felt compelled hashtag from earlier um to to you know to to lead that ministry and so by no means do i feel like I can tell everybody like, oh, XP3 is a perfect fit for, for what you guys are doing. I love our team. I believe in, I believe in what we do. Um, but, you know, for sure, there are a billion ways to continue to lead really well using a lot of the different resources and strategies and different things that we talk about without, you know, actually having to use XP3 on a weekly basis. Absolutely. Well, Brett, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast. Always great to talk with you. And uh, thank you for all you do for our church, but also all the other churches out there. And uh, God bless your ministry and, and then all you're doing for the kingdom. Steve, my friend, I miss being able to see you at tour and conference and YMX and all the different things. So hopefully, hopefully soon we will hopefully. see each other. Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, bud. It was so great to have Brett on the podcast and be sure to connect with him, especially if there is an Orange event or another event where Orange is there and you're able to meet Brett in person, go do it. It's a great conversation, uh, but also be sure to reach out to him. Um, all those links that he talked about are going to be in our show notes and more. So make sure you check those out and also be sure to check out the links for our sponsors of this episode, G shades at G S H a D E S dot O R G. And be sure to use the promo code T S M 
P-O-D to save 10% off your order. Also, thanks to MinHub Youth, and you can go over to M-I-N-H-U-B-S-Y-N-C dot com slash S-M-P. And uh, not only are you going to be able to check out their stuff, but you're also going to be able to support the student ministry podcast by heading to that link. Again, all those are in the show notes along with our social media links. Be sure to follow us on all social medias that you can so you can stay up to date with what's going on in the world of the student ministry podcast. And you can also reach out to me and uh, suggest someone else that we should get on a future podcast. Maybe you know a youth worker out there that really needs to be uh, waiting to have them on the show so that we can talk to them about their story and what God's been doing through their life and their ministry. Uh, So be sure to reach out to us on social media as well. Um, Again, be sure to uh, subscribe and uh, if you can, leave leave a positive rating. That's very, very helpful and share this with other youth workers out there. Uh, We're going to be back next time with another conversation with another amazing youth worker, but until then, may God bless your ministry.